Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. Thank you very much, uh, Mudubi. Back at the top of the hour this morning, we are looking at the ANC. It's turning 112 years old tomorrow, and it will host its anniversary party celebrations in Bumalanga next week, Saturday. Party President Cyril Ramaphosa expecting to deliver the January 8th statement to thousands of ANC supporters at the Mbombela Stadium and likely to also um, touch on the manifesto, crucial national and provincial elections. Um, let's, of course, uh, now remind you of our talking point this morning. We are asking you if you think the ANC uh, can navigate the country's seemingly insurmountable challenges ahead of the 2024 elections. You can share your views with us on 41391. SMSs are charged at 150. You can WhatsApp your voice notes of not more than 30 seconds to 0826923909. You can also call us directly on 0860002032. You can post your comments on X, formerly known as Twitter, or at uh, SABC News Radio. That's our new X account. And some of your comments already on uh, um, X, you are saying that uh, they... They should not meet to discuss these issues. They should have done this a long time ago. That's Andy. And these should not be under discussion. And they should have stopped a long time ago. And you are talking about, of course, the ANC meeting there in Mbombela. You are saying they shouldn't be meeting, Andy. And they should have discussed some of these issues a long time ago. Maluks are saying, uh, basically, that's his comment. And Seppo saying, to discuss what exactly? David, too little too late. Dr. Daniel Nightingale saying if they say they will discuss certain things, you should include whoever um, said that in your reporting. Um, and of course there's quite a lot um, that is being said, even online, just about the ANC NEC, um, you know, alone, even on uh, an X. Um, a lot of, 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 of views there, a lot of views on, on various um, different aspects of it. You think about the fact that they talk about coalitions. They're talking about the energy crisis. They're talking about municipalities. These are some of the critical discussions that they're saying they're having. Is it still time for discussions, though? Looking at the state of municipalities, looking at the energy crisis, looking at what has been happening, particularly when it comes to some of the issues around infrastructure, around service delivery, but let's talk about this now with Professor Nsikililo Breakfast, political analyst and director or at the Nelson <coughs> Mandela University Center for Security, Peace and Conflict Resolution, as well as Dr. Pete Krogamp, political analyst and senior political studies lecturer at the Northwest University. Good morning to you both, and thank you so much for your time. I'm going to start with you, um, Dr. Krogamp, because... The, the ANC, for example, when it comes to its January 8 statements, it gives the party the line of march for the year on what they're setting themselves out to do. Looking at not even far, just last year, to where we are now, did they do what they promised to do? Well, it depends on what they promised you last year. Um, uh, I've looked at the list. I think, I, in fact, uh, I attended the January 8 statement in Bloomfontein, I think it was last year. And um, one must uh, accept that all political parties make promises which is hard to keep. And quite often those uh, promises that they make 
are impeded or influenced by uh, a number of things. For instance, uh, we have a scarcity of capital. We have high debt in South Africa. We have low economic growth. And it's always difficult to make promises about spending. And that's what governments uh, quite often do. And I think that's what the ANC have done as well. But they make promises about uh, spending, uh, which could benefit especially the poor people in South Africa, which then is hard to keep. Uh, I think if you look at NESFAS, for instance, uh, that's a promise to South African students that they uh, will be funded if they are in economic dire straits or their families are. And uh, this year, I think coming year, uh, about a billion rand will be taken away from that fund. And we've uh, since read uh, the last few days about allegations of corruption. So it's going to be enormously difficult for government to keep that promise uh, to, 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 to fund uh, students. Mm. Yeah, so I, I, I think that the record is not too good. I think the government themselves will recognize and admit it. Uh, I, I think there are areas within this government as well. I think that the... Uh, for instance, uh, there is a, so, so many people are really, really poor, and the government every month, uh, unless the administration let them down a little bit, every month do commit a certain amount, a significant amount of the South African budget uh, to people in uh, various grants. I think that that's one of the things the government has kept in word. I think, for instance, uh, lately uh, on the issues of Israel, that wasn't part of the promise last year, but one can say that government has shown a degree of commitment, and they have occupied the model high ground and they took Israel to court, for instance. So I think it's a mixed bag, but by and large, I think South Africa should be concerned about the capacity of government to keep their promises and the capacity of the ANC to keep their promises. And uh, Professor Breakfast, you know, part of what they said last year was, in part, the energy crisis undermines economic growth and investment prospects and persistent load shedding destroys businesses and comp- compromises the production of food and the provision of social services such as water, sanitation and community safety, education and health. And looking at how they've, uh, you know, attended to this particular crisis. And they say that, uh, you know, when they're giving their briefings yesterday, there's a new SKMC. Oh, things are stabilizing there in their view. Are they stabilizing? Of course not. I think the ANC-led government has uh, fallen short in terms of honoring its uh, commitment in terms of uh, putting power outages on hold. They've, I mean, the issue of uh, electricity crisis is caused by the ANC-led government. Let's be honest. Due to, in my opinion, the implementation of the, the neoliberal model of uh, development, which is GEAR, because they did not want to invest in um, ESCOM. They wanted to uh, privatize ESCOM. Um, that was acknowledged by uh, former President Becky, I think, uh, in the mid-2000. Uh, now, uh, fast forward. The president, when he uh, delivered his first uh, State of the Nation address, I still uh, remember he made a commitment that government was going to respond to this challenge on time, but government has failed. But I get the sense that, I mean, government, I mean, the conception of a renewable energy, to me, that is a, a privatization. It's just that they don't want to use that word because, you know, it's an ugly word or it will not sit well with the, the majority of uh, people. So, 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 so government is trying to um, uh, untangle ESCOM um, by making sure that ESCOM does not become um, a, a monopoly. Uh, but still, I mean, I think 
it has let many people down. So on that score, I think, and, 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 and that is one of the things that will make the electorate, I'm not trying to sound like, you know, like a prophet of doom, but that is one of the things that will make the electorate not to vote for um, the ANC, because that affects a lot of people, including ANC members uh, themselves. I mean, if you have a small business, you might not have money to have um, a, a backup. Uh, so it really affects people uh, and, and, and prevents other people from making um, ends meet. Professor Breakfast, let me stay with that because one of the things that um, the ANC spoke about in its uh, previous January 8th statement is that they wanted to strengthen um, their branches because they wanted their branches to be key in dealing with some of the service delivery challenges that are experienced at community level. They talk about um, also maintaining infrastructure, preventing vandalism of critical infrastructure as well. Would you say that they succeeded, particularly when you look at what is going on in some of their branches themselves? Professor Breakfast? Yes, yes. Um, I'm still uh, online. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Yes, we yes. can hear you now. So, 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 okay, cool. So, so I was saying that there have been plans, right, to democratize uh, branches. So the ANC normally says that the, the, the branch is a basic unit of, of the party. But my view is that, you know, I mean, the ANC subscribes to Marxism and Leninism in terms of the organizational model of, of the party meaning that the party believes in a, in practice, not in theory. Uh, it, it believes in a, in a bureaucracy. Most of the time, let's face it, decisions are made on top and they're brought down to, um, uh, to the bottom. For instance, the branch can elect a person, the branch can say this and that, but the party bosses or the political elites are the ones who normally chop and change, you know, um, who must... Uh, a bit deployed on behalf of the party, who must do this, who must do that. So I don't think that that uh, democratization of branches has really uh, yielded positive uh, results. I mean, there have been protests at branch level, people saying that, but the people that are being deployed, it's not our people. You are deploying your own people. I mean, that's why, for instance, there are platforms even in the ANC to address those issues. But I don't think the ANC has achieved its uh, intended objective in terms of in terms of that. Dr. Krokamp, when we come back from the break, I want us to talk about this NEC meeting this weekend, the ANC turning 112 tomorrow, the celebrations next Saturday, in light of the developments around former President Jacob Zuma and also what former President Tabumbeki said about some of its challenges. We'll do that when we come back. Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. The current crop of the leadership, of the ANC leadership, has actually derailed in their mandate they failed the people of south africa dismally the organization itself will always be there but unfortunately this bunch of leaders will have to make way for the others who will take the uh the fort forward um the birth of the new party in a form of the mk is a direct result of the gatekeeping in the branches of the anc uh all over the country they cannot blame anybody else but themselves now is the time 
for them to vacate the seat and let the people who the interest of South African at heart uh, take over the reins. This is Undogozo Kanyile Etewini. Compliments of the new season to you, Bongiwe. I was hoping to bump into you in Eteguini somewhere in Dogozo. I was there just a few, you know, for a few days um, at the funeral of the late Dr. Mbongeni Ngema. But compliments of the new season to you. Always a pleasure to hear from you. And another regular, Mike in Newlands. Mike, good morning and compliments of the season to you. Thank you so much for calling in. What is your take? Thank you so much, Mongewe, and the same to you as well. I hope it's a great new year. My, my point is that every year we have a January 8th statement and the country just gets, goes from bad to worse. But what I'm not finding and I'm not hearing from the ANC is acceptance by them uh, of the fact that they created the very problems that they are now rushing around trying to sort out. They say they're fighting corruption, but every time our President Ramaphosa speaks to us, for all we know, he's sitting on a chair stuck with US dollars. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it, it could actually be true. You remember that Minister Gordon said the ANC doesn't steal in millions. The ANC now steals in billions. And he said this at the inquiry of Minister Brown when she was caught lying in Parliament. And Buffett to Tremini must never forget the fact that she said to us, every single NEC ANC member has a small Indiana skeleton in their cupboard, inferring that every single ANC NEC member has stolen from us. But the ANC says it's fixing ESCOM. Well, I remember last year's January the 8th statement, somewhere along the line, that we're going to get experts in from overseas mm. and these people are going to run the special divisions and mm. make all sorts of promises. Well, where are these experts? What divisions are there? And we don't know because the ANC just simply lied to us. But I also don't agree, just in conclusion, with the uh, your analyst will forget the breakfast about privatization. I think I don't think South Africans are at all scared of privatization. They are scared of having no lights and no business and no food. I think that's what really scares them. But the ANC has got to acknowledge first and foremost that they are responsible for the mess that they put us in. Nobody else, and until such times they do that, just lying to us after lie after lie. I think the people have just had enough, and I think the ANC is going to lie itself into darkness. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Mike. Mike and Newlands there. Thank you for your views this morning. I'll get Dr. Breakfast to talk about this in just a moment because every time you mention privatization, Mike, I'm sure you've heard the unions and, and, and how they come into the picture. But Dr. Krogamp, um, let's get back into the ANC and its January the 8th statement. Tomorrow, the party is turning 112. This weekend, the NEC is meeting. Um, we've been hearing from different committees on what is being discussed and some of the decisions in, the, in, in that regard and also taking us back to its own conference, elective conference, where we also heard some of the resolutions that were taken there. But this is a political party that goes into these celebrations, that goes into even this national election this year without the support of its former president, Jacob Zuma, who has uh, thrown his weight behind this new MK party. At the same time, former president Tabumbegi also speaking out publicly, saying it may be difficult to campaign for the ANC as the current challenges persist. Can the ANC be able to hold its celebrations without these shadows, or how much of a, a shadow do these developments cast ahead of this week? Yeah, I think we must just be careful because uh, uh, Becky and Jacob Zuma is uh, part of the reason why the ANC has a situation which is almost impossible to deal with. Becky, by his own admission, 
has to take responsibility for much of the ESCOM problem and Jacob Zuma for the corruption and the state capture problem. And that has really made the ANC uh, situation almost impossible and painted their reputation uh, as far as the, the electorate is concerned. But I, I, I think we must just be careful not to put everything on the ANC's bread as if everything that has uh, gone wrong as, uh, as, uh, it, it's too, um, too due to their actions. For instance, I cannot remember that the ANC wanted to privatize ESCOM. It's absolutely nonsense. I think Professor Breckwitz has the cat, the cat in the tail there. There was no talk about in the ANC about privatizing uh, ESCOM at the time when the party started. They started in the late 1990s already, and uh, by 2007, they had a severe problem, and Tabin Beki ignored good advice to, to build more power stations or to generate more electricity at the time. But it's always been government policy that in some instances they might have public-private partnerships. That is not necessarily privatization. Uh, so I, I honestly don't think to accuse the ANC of that they seek to go neoliberal. It's just nonsense, 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 that it was a duty neoliberal policies. In fact, there will be people who will be arguing that it's the absence of neoliberal policy sometimes. It's the absence of the liberalization of services, social services, that, that uh, the ANC has ended uh, up where it is. Because there is some expertise in the private sector. Why, for instance, would you facilitate or implement a policy of black economic empowerment? That means that you get black entrepreneurs to become part of service delivery. Why would you... Uh, do black economic empowerment, and then you do not allow these black uh, uh, individuals to become part of public-private partnerships with government. That's that's the whole purpose of it. So to argue that the ANC had a new liberal policy, that, that's just nonsense. That, that's not true. And that to argue that they wanted to privatize ESCOM, it's also not true. So they go into this January 8th statement, and they, 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 they're fighting from the back foot. If you think about the last election in, 2000, in 2021, for instance, uh, if, you, if you take the figure of the, those who are eligible to vote in South Africa, everybody from 18 to 108, if you are allowed to vote, you're part of what we call the eligible vote. And that eligible vote, only 12% of South Africans voted for the ANC in that election. In the previous election, it was only 22%. So there is a massive trust deficit between the electorate and the ANC. And regardless of what they say on January 8th, they, it's it's been hard to work away that trust deficit with more promises and uh, by emphasizing the good that government does. And there is a lot of good that they do uh, by emphasizing it because there is this trust deficit. And that trust deficit you can work away by actually doing something that changed the lives of people. Oh, and I think that is, that is the problem that, so that, that the ANC has and the government has, that people just don't believe them anymore. Professor Breakfast? Um, Bongi, I think we live in a world of uh, opinions, and we must agree to um, to disagree. Um, it is a fact that ESCOM has been used as a center of accumulation to amass wealth. It has been at the heart of the state capture project. Um, there have been companies that have been uh, mentioned um, uh, in the report of a uh, a state capture. In fact, the, 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 the former CEO of ESCOM laid bare the fact that there are some people in high places in the ANC who have been uh, benefiting at um, uh, ESCOM. Um, so so, so my, my, my argument is that uh, some senior uh, ANC leaders have been benefiting out of ESCOM in terms of um, accumulating wealth, accumulating uh, profit. Now, 
former president Becky himself, he is on record having said that government did not do what it should have done in terms of investing in ESCOM. He's on record having said in public. So I don't understand now. Some people are trying to spin that. You know what I mean? Um, uh, it is a fact that the Dwyer policy was underpinned by market fundamentalism. That's a fact. Cosado, uh, I don't know how many times they have down tools in opposition to the rolling out of market fundamentalism. I mean, government uh, privatized partially uh, uh, um, telecom, uh, transnet, and so on. That's a fact. So I don't understand now people who are trying to spin the fact that government has been uh, pursuing a neoliberal uh, um, uh, agenda. All right. Uh, I'm going to take two voice notes and then come back and uh, we just wrap up our conversation as we look at this and we look at the electoral fortunes of, of, of the party. There are some predictions that are saying it may dip below 50%, but others are saying, no, it's not going to happen. In fact, it will secure a majority. Others are saying if it dips below 50%, who does it go into coalition with is going to be quite critical. You listen to David Makura, for example, it is, you know, he says that it is ideal that whoever they go into a coalition with should it get to that point. It must be parties that they share the same ideals with. So let's talk about the electoral fortunes and how the picture is looking like, um, you know, post the elections. But let's take what some of our listeners have to say first. Go to a DNC. is equal to task and I think DNC in a statement will mention everything that is needed in the country. And people must always remember that without the ANC, they can't do governance in the country. Because all of these opposition parties are not equal to justice. Their job is always to blame and call names. And some, they don't even come with a different view regarding how to govern the country. They always blame the government. Even people who talk, they are talking about blaming the government. They are bringing anything new to solve the problems. Thank you, this teaching. Morning, SAFM. No, Deborah Arias. Corruption, crime, poverty, unemployment, lawlessness, no accountability, crime again, crime, corruption everywhere, poverty. They won't make it. All right, that, um, those are some of your voice notes this morning. Uh, Dr. Krogamp, I'd like us to, as we are looking at the electoral fortunes for, for later this year, I didn't get his name quite, but the first listener says that the ANC is equal to the task and without the ANC, there can't be governance. And he says that in the country, the opposition parties don't simply know how to govern. All they know how to do is to criticize the ANC. Would you agree with that statement and give us a sense then as you, you, you speak about that on what are your predictions when it comes to the electoral fortunes of the party? I think the lesson that is, is, is about in many ways, and that is that um, a lot of people in South Africa still only trust the ANC with government. That's why instead of voting in the last election in 2021, they just stayed away. Uh, um, 
and because the opposition political parties, and that's the big problem for, for, for competitive politics in South Africa, they simply do not present themselves as an alternative to the ANC. Uh, it's a different question whether they can govern better. We don't know, because uh, except for the Western Cape, and uh, in KwaZulu-Natal, when the ISP governed uh, 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 KwaZulu-Natal right after uh, 1994, we don't know uh, how well the opposition parties govern South Africa. We know that it's not possible for them, as it is now, to gain a majority vote, in other words, 50% plus one or 50%, to be able to unseat the ANC. The fact that the DA, and let's be honest, they govern really, really well in the Western Cape. But the Western Cape is a relatively wealthy province. It's a middle-class province. They have lower inflation than the rest of the country. They have higher economic growth than the rest of the country. They have higher employment. In other words, they tend to employ people easier than the Western Cape. So, yes, the DA governs the Western Cape incredibly well. The roads work. The potholes are being fixed. The services are being delivered. The hospitals uh, I've, I've some uh, hospitals, state hospitals in the Western Cape, they function as well as any private hospital up here in Gauteng. So it is possible to govern South Africans well. But we also know that as long as the DA insists on being a party largely for white people and for uh, colored people in the Western Cape, colored people uh, nationally, it's going to be hard to convince black South Africans to vote for them, and that's exactly their problem. They are a party that is geolocated in a particular area. They do things well. The question is, can they govern the rest of South Africa? And we've seen that here in Toronto, for instance, where the DA uh, mayor is, that is incredibly, incredibly hard. And it's even more hard if you have to govern as a part of a coalition in South Africa, because coalitions are not formed on the basis of people that agree. I think one of your listeners alluded to that. We have to get parties to share the same values. But because most political parties, that includes to a certain degree the ANC, but certainly most of the opposition political parties, define themselves in terms of a very specific identity. That means that they do not necessarily share values for other political parties. The IFP and the DA are vastly different. The, uh, the Patriotic Alliance and the DA will never agree about anything. So we will not get a number of political parties forming an alliance or a coalition of, 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 of ideas and agree about how to govern South Africa. It is just incredibly difficult. What we need is we need a strong, black-dominated political party that comes to the fore, that instill a degree of trust, and that can get other political parties, such as the DA, to cooperate with them. I cannot see the DA leading South Africa or a coalition of political parties to govern South Africa, no. Professor, breakfast in less than a minute. Yeah, I think it's very important that we compare apples with uh, apples. If, 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 if you use the Western Cape as a case in point, you must appreciate that it doesn't have the same history that other provinces have. There are no villages there. There are no rural um, areas. No wonder the magnitude of poverty is not... Uh, um, uh, the same in terms of the challenges that the province is faced with. But I've stayed there for more than five years. The divide between the haves and the have-nots is palpable. Um, there is a gap. You, you know, it's like, a, it's like a binary. There is a side of poor people and there is a side of rich people. And that uh, interface, you know, is along the lines of race and class and the bulk of black people are selling their labor power in exchange for income. And that 
a dichotomy reproduces the inequality that is uh, at play there. So, mm -hmm. so, so the divide between the haves and the have-nots is one of uh, the contradictions of the capitalist mode of uh, production. All right, let me thank you both for your time. Uh, certainly, we'll continue to talk about this uh, subject. I mean, it is the, an election year. There's going to be quite a lot um, that is being unpacked. And uh, as we look ahead to the ANC's January 8th statement um, at the weekend, but also the party turning 112 tomorrow, that was Professor Nzegelelo Breakfast, political analyst and director of the Nelson Mandela University Center for Security, Peace and Conflict Resolution, as well as Dr. Pete Krolkamp, political analyst and senior political studies lecturer at the Northwest University.